0: Hello, it is Thursday, July 12th at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, and this is Marketing Live. I am your host, Amy Jorgensen, and today's live broadcast is Building a Higher Education Brand. Branding is no longer a dirty word in higher education. The discipline is being embraced by all types and sizes of institutions, and we must be well understood by effective university marketing practitioners. Today, we will learn from two marketing communicator, communication leaders at vastly different institutions on how to build a higher education brand. Marketing Live is part of a Higher Ed Live network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using hashtag Higher Ed Live. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at at higheredlive.com or take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Storytelling is imperative if you want to build an enduring brand for your college or university. The digital space allows storytellers to immerse audiences even more fully in our stories by integrating and weaving video, photography, user-generated content, and other rich media throughout the marketing campaign. Are your readers at the heart of your institution's story? In a three, in a part three of M Stoner's summer, summer webinar series with their branding partner, BVK, they'll arm you with the knowledge you need, storytelling principles, concrete planning steps, and best practice examples to ensure storytelling is at the heart of your integrated marketing communications. Register for the free webinar, Storytelling and Integrated Marketing Communications on Thursday, August 23rd at two o'clock Eastern time, and we'll be tweeting out the link shortly. All right. I'd like to welcome our guest today. We have Christy Harper, who is the Assistant Vice President for Marketing at the University of Arizona's Division of Student Affairs, Enrollment Management, Academic Initiatives and Student Success. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. Hoping I got that whole one there. Yeah, it's
1: the <laughs> longest title ever.
0: <laughs> We'd also like to welcome Brad Bolander, Chief Communications Officer of the Office Vice Chancellor for University Communications at North Carolina State University. Welcome, Brad.
2: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
0: Great. So again, please do not hesitate to ask any questions as they come in using hashtag Higher ed Live, and I'll do my best to start off with questions of my own. So can we talk a little bit about how to discover your university's true brand and implement a brand strategy that helps achieve university and department goals?
1: Sure, I I can start Brad and then you can jump in. I think um, the thing that you want to think, it's an extensive process obviously, and there's really three components that you need to fully understand. You need to understand your, what we would call the three C's, the customer, the competition, and the company. This is from corporate branding. So obviously your customer is likely your students, it may be other stakeholders like alumni, etc. But you want to understand what drives that customer? What do they value? What do they care about? What do they need? What's not just their basic need, but what's their highest aspiration? um, Something that maybe only you can give them. Um, then you want to understand the competition. What what is and and this I think competition is a challenging one in higher ed because uh, we tend to look at kind of our peers, but we may not be looking at our. Um, cross apps, right? We may not be looking at who we're actually competing with for students, but we may be looking at who we're um, competing with reputationally. I think it's important to have a mix of both. What are those schools known for? What are they putting out there in the market? What is the open territory or the blue ocean territory that we can uniquely claim? And then third is what do we have going for us? What's the truth about us? What are we known as today? What do we aspire to be known as in the future? And how do we get there? And then you kind of create this Venn diagram of all those findings that hopefully reveals a sweet spot in the middle that allows you to have your brand positioning territory. It has to be authentic to who you are, but it also has, enough, has to have enough stretch to lead you into the next 10, 15, 20 years. So there's also that balance between authenticity and, um, and stretch or aspiration.
0: Wonderful. So what are some of the steps to develop your brand architecture and how to tailor the brand for various units?
2: Well, I'll I'll jump in on that one. I think for any brand project, and just to build on what what Christy said, which I agree with completely, uh, research is really the key. The only way you're going to pinpoint your true brand is to really invest time and, and, and the money it takes into research. And a lot of folks in higher's higher case, we don't like to do that part, especially on the creative side. It's expensive. <laughs> it's time consuming. It's boring. But uh, especially in institutions like these that are uh, so old and so decentralized in many cases, you'll have people who have been here for 20 years and, and, and they know everything and they know exactly where you stand in the marketplace and they know the audiences. But the truth is they really don't. Uh, And the only way to really pinpoint the things Christy was talking about, where you stand in the hearts and the minds of of your constituents, is to invest in research. The the other side of that, I think, is research gives you an unsurpassed opportunity at universities to build consensus and buy-in from the campus and alumni community. And I'm sure we'll get into some of that. But the way you involve them in the research, involve them in building the brand process, Uh, involve them in writing your brand platform, really creates a sense of understanding and ownership that can only be capitalized on by that research. When you have that data, you can move them from guessing to understanding to application and and get to some of the things Christy was talking about. So with that kind of background, uh, building the brand architecture or um, tailoring it to different units, When you start from that place, the community is engaged and and has an understanding of your core brand. And then I think it's deciding what kind of brand you want to be. Uh, Most of higher education really evolved to the core brand model where everything is really meant to build up and associate with that core brand. For us, it was the consistency that that brought and then allowing enough flexibility to allow the College of Design to be the College of Design and the College of Engineering to compete in that marketplace nationally. Uh, So for us, to be honest, we started with a pretty complex brand architecture that started with four different categories, expanded into about eight different categories, and nobody understood it. So about two years in, we shrunk that down to three. Uh, We have the core brand, we have extended brands, and we have sub-brands. And that's really based on What is your mission? Does it match the core education, research, and teaching mission of the institution? And how are you funded? Those Mm -hmm. are really the two biggest factors. And based on those two factors, and the third really being external partnerships with NSF, with big industry, with folks we might need to co-brand with, that really dictates your place in the brand architecture. And we've actually found in this case, making it more selective, giving those three categories, uh, has helped the campus community understand where they fit in that and really buy into that
0: do you find that the research is better done by outside entities so that way they don't feel like you're controlling the message or controlling some of that or do you find that leveraging the resources inside are more beneficial at generating buy-in I, my opinion
1: would be it's almost always better to outsource it um i do think that you for for a big project like this, I think there's a lot of times where you have um, smaller decision points that are very well handled internally. But I think when you're doing big uh, research like this, exactly to Brad's point, where you've got a lot of people who have a lot of strongly held perceptions that may not line up with truth, it can be very helpful to have a third party come in and, you know, speak that, identify that truth and, and speak that truth. So I, I think that's that's really key. And just, uh, you know, and Brad, what, what are your thoughts? What, do you agree I, with that?
2: I agree completely, unless you're in a unique position to have the expertise to do that. And this may be getting into what we wanted to get into a little bit later, but I'm a big advocate for hiring consultants where you can to bring an expertise that you don't have. Mm -hmm. And there's a few things that consultants can do really well. Number one is just that. They can bring expertise you don't. I think number two is even if you have that expertise, you have a full-time job. This is usually an add-on. You don't stop your work to to go through a brand project. So they have the time. Uh, A weird phenomenon about consultants are we can stand on our campuses and say things a hundred times. And you bring (laughs) in an outside expert and they say it and everybody says, oh, that's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you got to use that. You got to roll with that and not be offended by it. But they can also, to Christy's point, have those hard conversations with your president, with your chancellor, with your deans uh, that you you may not be in the best position or really want to have. So I think bringing, bringing outside experts in who are used to doing this for universities, uh, who can bring all of those things to the table is a real benefit.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can speak to that. I've been on both sides of that. So prior to starting at Cal Lutheran, I I was a consultant. And um, I definitely see that difference of the in-house person at, you know, you've got your honeymoon period that I'm probably still in at Arizona where things I say are neat. And then, you know, six months from now, things I say won't be so interesting anymore. They'll just be stuff she says. And um, a consultant can come in and bring that exact same message, but with a little bit more gravitas or or a little bit more of an outside perspective so I think it's always very valuable just to to, um, go back to the brand architecture conversation for a second I think one of the things that um, that I found most useful in working on architecture at my last institution which was California Lutheran University was um, allowing some flexibility for the different entities, however you sort of categorize them within your organization, allowing them to figure out a way to retain their core messaging that in a way that also ties into the brand's core messaging. And I think, you know, we landed on a structure that worked where we sort of had a brand platform, and part of the brand platform was fixed, couldn't be changed, no matter what the unit was. And then other parts of the brand platform could be customized for the individual unit. And Arizona has embraced a similar philosophy that I think is um, very useful and very effective at creating buy-in. Because it doesn't say, like, you have to use this message and only this message for the rest of your life, and it doesn't matter if it doesn't conform to your unit's needs. It, it allows for um, consistent but tailored messaging based on the needs of the unit.
0: That makes sense. Thank you. So, how have you both created and launched a new brand identity and visual system?
1: You go, Brad. Okay, I'll take this.
2: <laughs> so again, you know, I'll be very repetitive. It's the research and it's the collaboration building. Um, we we built the brand platform with the campus community. And at that point, it was time to create those those core brand uh, foundational elements, your your logo, your colors, and everything you would expect in a toolkit. So we had a 30-some people in our shop kind of engaged in that part of the marketing arm. At the time, we're a campus of 35,000, uh, 10,000 employees. And we knew that the four or five of us heavily engaged to that point were not enough to really roll this thing out. So... Our creative director at the time, uh, Tim Jones, who's now at Beloit College, um, he really had a great idea. Let's spend some time really engaging our team in this process. So we had the designers go and do research about logos, about fonts, about colors. You know, we had the content folks really look at research around language and match up the elements to what we really found in the research in the brand platform. And then we did something that was unique in my experience. We took several weeks internally and we would get together with our entire team once a month or once a week. And we would give them real assignments. Uh, Go out and create an ad for the College of Textiles around this. Go out and write some copy for the College of, of Management around this or go do this with design. Come back, critique it. They'd have to present it, they'd critique it. We'd mix up the, ne- the teams for the next week. We'd put designers with news people, with web people. And over about eight weeks, we got that group really comfortable with not only understanding and defending the brand, but applying it outside of their area of expertise. And I really felt it wasn't until then that that really fine-tuned our brand toolkit, and we were, we were prepared to roll that out to the
0: campus. Mm-hmm.
1: That's smart. Arizona did something similar. I I can't take any credit for it because it predates me, but they um, had the whole brand, you know, brand visual system and identity developed and then gave it to campus communicators across the university, um, not outside of the central office and had everybody work with it and bring examples of best or best practices and or things they were struggling with and through that process kind of refined the visual system um, to be something that everybody felt that they could work with more than the one that was inherited from the, the brand strategy firm in the beginning, so I think that was useful. Um, at Cal Lutheran, I was responsible for, um, for creating a new brand identity for both the master brand, the university at large and athletics. Mm -hmm. And um, actually had a failed attempt the first time because we were trying to find one identity that would work for both entities. And we just couldn't get there. Um, We couldn't find one that coaches and deans agreed to. (laughs) And um, I've since kind of realized there's a reason why most universities have two, an athletics identity and a master brand identity. And so the second time around, we decided to tackle those as two separate paths. And it went much more smoothly. There's always going to be critics. There's always going to be people who hate it and who wish that you would go back and they like the old one. And why can't we just bring back that logo that we had in 1982? <laughs> and You know, there's always going to be that. And you have to have kind of the, and your, and your president and your board have to have the intestinal fortitude to kind of weather all of that. And that, that was another kind of key move that we made when we were launching both identities but it was particularly pertinent with the athletics identity is i made sure that we had a vote from the board of regents saying we approve this identity mm-hmm. so that when we launched it and a donor freaked out or whatever there was kind of no going back the regents had blessed it and that took a lot of the heat off of the launch you know it it, it we had you know the expected squawking but it <laughs> went away pretty quickly because it had already been fully endorsed by leadership and people realized like no amount of squawking is going to change it
0: <laughs> i lo- so what was your mascot with the squawking was it a bird oh no 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 i'm just saying i'm just saying i, I call people who critic criticize squawkers you know <laughs> that's
1: that's just my own term our mascot was well that was another challenge we had we had two a, a male and a female so kingsman for the men's teams and Regals for the women's teams. And we were trying to find one athletics identity that would unite both of those team names. We had had two separate athletics identities. So not only did we have a master brand identity, we had a men's team's identity and a women's team's identity. It
0: was a mess. So
1: we had to clean all
0: of that up. I was going to get really excited. You know, if you were going to say you were like the Ducks or something, uh, no. that's hilarious. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Well, and I think it's interesting that what you guys are talking about with some of the opposition that you've had to face. And at the University of Virginia, when I started, we didn't have colors, we didn't have fonts, we didn't have language and, and our brand development team brought brought everything together. And what I found that was so interesting was that everyone was hungry for it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my goodness, thank God I, I know what orange and blue colors to use. And oh, you guys are launching secondary colors. This is phenomenal. And I have language that I can use and I don't have to make this up. And our team launched um, a whole bunch of different, it, exactly like you said, different examples of the work and then templates. And just mm-hmm. folks are eating them up. And it's it's made our work so much more unified. And it's made people's lives easier because you're not having to start from scratch, especially with design things. So, yeah, absolutely. All right, great. So um, what are the best ways to align stakeholders to deliver and communicate in a brand aligned way that elevates the university and all of its divisions?
2: Well, I'll do you want, I'll jump first at this one. I um I think some of it is what you just talked about, Amy, as far as uh, having a, a group first that's going to take their leadership role. And for some of us, we were in the same place you were. We had a uh, a a brand book that was a list of loose recommendations for graphic standards, but but no teeth whatsoever, and, and no unify. I think we had more than 200 logos we found when we first started this. And it was an environment where communicators, often the colleges and the units, because there wasn't a strong central unit at the time, they were left to doing things on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were flooding the marketplace with a bunch of different identities because people didn't have a choice. So I think the first thing is really creating that leadership and and we witnessed the same thing. People were pleased to have that and here are the resources. So building off of that, uh, I do think the, the toolkit that you put together is, is a huge factor. Uh, we did ours completely online for that purpose, to continually get feedback from the campus community, what's working, what's not, let's continue to adjust it, and creating tons and tons of downloadable templates, web templates, PowerPoint templates, research poster templates, uh, creating several centrally funded Platforms for the campus community. We created a, a digital magazine platform, for example, an HTML editing software that people can come and load their stuff, and we'll do a quick edit. And are you sending out in Bronto or, or another platform? Uh, from a content perspective, we created a central tool we call the AP Wire, which is I'm sure against trademark law, but it's just our (laughs) internal name, but it works the same way. We share content across the colleges and the central unit on brand content. We put on there, they put on there, and it just allows people to share really uh, good content that will elevate the institution. And then we've found just a lot through creating partnerships. Mm -hmm. There's probably three to four times as many communicators outside of central than we have inside. But we meet meet quarterly with all campus communicators, 150 or so folks, but we meet monthly with the lead communicators and that's where we really invest our time. So really keeping on top of what do they need, partnering with them on advertising, recruiting, fundraising campaigns, investing not only in external marketing for the institution as as a whole, but also where can we invest in our partners across campus and help them communicate on brand. So it's really investing in in that partnership model, allowing them to do better work easier that makes them look good in front of their bosses. Mm -hmm. It's been a a huge key. And I think getting everybody on the same page.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's all I, I, I see it now where I'm not in the central marketing office. I'm in I'm in a divisional role. And um, the partnership with the central office is huge in both ways. For us to be able to say, "Hey, here's what's we're, here's what we're hearing on the enrollment side, here's what prospective students are saying," and then likewise, you know, getting assets and support from them that are either um, for us a lot of brand identity stuff. But in the future, I think we'll be getting more um, brand uh, strategy or brand positioning stuff. And how do we work together to make those tools effective is, I think, extremely important. And I think um, Arizona's central marketing unit has done a very good job of creating those relationships. Again, I have nothing to do with that except being on the receiving end in a positive way. Um, So I think that's very important. I also think you cannot look anymore. It used to be in the old days, you would print the brand book, you would give it to everyone. And you would say, here's the rules. It's locked and loaded. And it wouldn't change until the next brand identity project in 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it, we just can't do that anymore. And that, that's an old fashioned way of looking at brand strategy, but or brand identity, but a lot of institutions still look at it that way. And I think the more evolved organizations, whether corporate or in higher ed, are looking at them as bendable and flexible and a starting point, you know? Um, you're not gonna mess with the core logo but what you know, even even lockups, you know, we're having a conversation right now about we had a, a lockup system where we would put the division first and the the brand, the university second. And it's actually not really working that well. And so we're trying to get like, can we flip it? And, you know, all of that is a conversation and all of that is what's gonna work best for the stakeholder to get the information that they need. So um Having come through the brand strategy world in my earlier days, we never would have looked at a brand brand identity system as flexible until probably, you know, the early 2000s and then it just started to evolve. And now I think they've got to be really flexible or you're just going to have rebellion.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Although I will say I saw a logo, and we're big on the rotunda here. I don't know if I even have a little rotunda with me, but it's this rotunda. And so they had each of the different pillars and of course the bottom and at the top, instead of it just being an arch, uh, it was a brain. And it was, oh, funny. yeah, no. And I so funny. And they're like, we can't use this. I'm like, but it's kind of brilliant.
1: <laughs>
0: like, yeah. I agree. It's totally off brand, but it's really funny. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> we have one of those too, Amy. We have a bell tower that's our most iconic World War uh, one memorial bell tower. It's reserved for the most special occasions. And someone created a logo where it was a rocket ship launching out of the ground. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's really cool, but no. Uh,
1: the best that's one that. I ever saw was Cal Lutheran's old identity was like a, a circle sunburst. And the Taekwondo club had drawn a fist punching through the sunburst <laughs> <laughs> and legitimately wanted to use it like they were serious. Yes.
0: <laughs> so I everybody has got, 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 got their
1: creative takes. And, me. and the, I mean, that's where I would say, yeah, no, you don't mess with it. it like you can't redraw the,
0: the logo, but it is fun to see what people come up with. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So how can we create tools and strategies that are easier for units to produce professional on-brand communications? I think, Brad, you're the master on this one. Uh,
2: well, it, I think it's kind of repetitive. Um, really getting engaged with the campus community needs. Uh, we did that originally during the brand process, the brand research and, and developing the platform. Uh, we do that monthly at our meetings with lead communicators. I try to meet at least annually with the deans and we have talks about resources. So it's, it's understanding the needs of the campus and investing in those things that are going to make the biggest difference uh, both from a visual and a message perspective. And then I think it's continually looking for ways to partner together. You know, we have grown from that because that's been effective to talking about what resources do you need? our team currently houses 14 shared positions with colleges and units on campus where they sit with us and they're funded at least partially or entirely through one or two different colleges that'll share a position. And that has gone so far to really enhance the brand on our campus. It, it, it's had resource impacts that we expected, but it's had content and visual impacts just because those people are sitting with the main team that the colleges and 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 we are are very pleased with that are elevating the brand. So it's really looking for where can we add value wherever possible?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's that again, it's that communication and collaboration, examples, um, templates, yeah, all of those things are really key to creating that consistency. And again, it just makes people's jobs easier. And you don't, you know, as, as long as you avoid being like the creativity killer when you're reviewing those materials, you know, you want to give people leeway. Like uh, one of the things that's been interesting on our campus is a few different offices have started using illustration. And they're very on-brand illustrations, but illustration isn't necessarily like allowed in our brand guidelines. But we've, you know, we've kind of... that the the central unit has allowed us to proceed with that and they look great. And then now everybody's sharing the illustration assets so that when we're using illustration, we're using illustration consistently across campus. And um, that's just a great example of something that kind of sprung up through a creative exercise that now is actually becoming one of our brand assets that looks great across campus and is allowing people to be very effective.
0: Wonderful. I know at the University of Virginia, um, one of the things that we recommended, and it's made our lives so much easier, is on the brand website, if you have, of course, there's a whole bunch of photography that they provide. And at the bottom, though, now they have, how many people have downloaded it? Mm. which sounds silly but there was when they first launched it no kidding there was at least four different areas that had the exact same picture my area was one of them on our main brochure (laughs) because it was such a good picture so we're like oh we're going to use these two students they're diverse there's different heights it's really pretty there's trees like and everyone used that same picture um and so now you can see how often people are using them and additionally providing the templates in different um, platforms. Yeah. So not just doing the Adobe platforms, um, without exaggeration with my staff, I produce, I mean, we design of course in, in the, you know, Adobe Illustrator, Design, all that kind of good stuff. And then we put them as backgrounds in PowerPoint or publisher, and um, then give them the areas that they can edit and give to them. And it just putting it in a way that they're like, oh, I don't have the Adobe program, so I can't edit it. No, you can, here you go. Yeah,
1: yeah that's great smart. All
0: right, great. So um, I think we talked a little bit about uh, building consensus and buy-in and support uh, with students and alumni. I think um, Christy had a great example of, of the regents, having the regents sign off. Are there any additional tips that you have for that? Well, I think you look at it, you kind of need to look at it on three
1: dimensions, right? So there's does everybody have the information they need to kind of understand what's going on, right? Why are we doing this? What's happening? Why is it important, right? Just the information. So I I always think about it as inform, inspire, empower. So the information, the inspiration, how do I feel about it? Can I get excited about it? How does it impact my job? How does it make my job easier, better? How does it make us as a university more effective, more competitive, et cetera? and then empower is the stuff we've just been talking about giving people the tools and assets that they need and then trusting that they're going to go off and do that work well so for you know empower is probably less important for say alumni than it is for campus communicators but you want to be thinking about all of those groups and you know gallup has kind of an interesting way of looking at it right there's the people with high if you call it information and inspiration, right? So high knowledge and high emotion, and those are your best people, right? Those are, they call them your, you know, your heroes, or, you know, those are your brand champions. And you wanna do your best to take, to create a lot of those people. Then you have who we all deal with every day. You have your loose cannons, which is your high emotion low information people, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the people who do the brain on the dome, right? <laughs> because they really care, and they really want to do something fun and exciting, and they just don't have the information they need to do it within the brand guidelines. Those people are easy to change, right? Because it's just, we, we, we admire your passion, we love that you want to do this, let's just give you a little information so you can do it more effectively. The harder two groups are the ones who have the information but don't care. Right. So how do you activate those people and move them to that upper right quadrant? And then you've got your bystanders who just like don't know, don't care. You're not going to impact. So I usually just sort of assume that there's going to be some percentage of those and let them go. And really the best effort that we can put in is to try to get those loose cannons into the champions by giving them the information that accompanies their inspiration. I love
2: that. That's great. If I can just add, I think, I think part of it is knowing the culture of your campus as well, knowing that there's not going to be one perfect way to do this. But over communication, uh, Christy talked about the importance of, of communicating uh, in that process. And fortunately, we own the communications channels on our campuses, and we have access to them. <clears throat> And for us, I know it was, I don't know how many dozens of presentations that I did and that we did before explaining people, to people why this was important in higher education, how it was going to improve things, what we were doing, what we found, what was next. And I think leadership is critical in that. Whoever's around that cabinet table, that leadership table, every meeting, just bringing in a little bit of information in. Here's what we're doing. Here's why. Here's the success we're having. I know, at least in, in my experience, we are so focused on the potential and what could be that we are always looking ahead, communicating about the next thing, but we need, to, we need to demonstrate our success to leadership more often, and especially if branding is new to your campus. That is so critical, and it's effective. It's just front of mind. Let them know what you're doing. Show them how it's working and helping them achieve the strategic goals of the institution uh, when that That leadership buy-in makes all the difference. When your chancellor president stands up, speaks the brand language, says this is important, people
0: fall in line. I think you're totally right. So in a, a different direction, when do we need to involve an agency and how can we best work with them when we do?
2: Well, Kristy, th- you're the agency background. Person.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I can definitely. I, so I think there. Y- y- we sort of already addressed the when do you need to involve an agency. I think when it's a big project, um, when it's high visibility or high, or potentially controversial. I think those are good times to involve an agency. I think you can also. Um, so from a brand strategy perspective, I would. I would almost always recommend involving an agency, like developing that core idea. Brand architecture, I think, is probably more easily done in-house and um, maybe even better done in-house because it has, you know, your your systems better and your your units better. So maybe having an agency sort of provide some guidance on that initial pass and then you really working through it with your campus partners to figure out how that's going to look in your own architecture. Um, brand identity, um, often a creative agency can be very helpful and can be very helpful in creating those first expressions of the identity. Um, but you know, even like we're working on a on a I wouldn't even call it a brand strategy project, but a positioning project for one of our units right now, and we are involving a um, strategy firm to help us with that research and to recommend the positioning. And I think we'll also involve a firm um, at the creative standpoint just to help us re-energize our creative materials based on this new brand idea or positioning idea, even though our brand identity isn't changing, right? So the logo is not going to change. But I think we could use a refreshed outsider's way of looking at how do we tell that story. And then we can build out all of those assets once we have that core idea. So That's all, you know, that's kind of how I think about involving agencies. I think getting the best out of them, you have to give them all the information that you can give them upfront. If you withhold information, and I know a lot of people do this, they don't want the agency to know everything because somehow they think that if the agency knows everything, they'll. Like try to take over the world, or I, I don't know. <laughs> but I think you're just a lot more effective just laying it out on the table. Everything from budget, like we can't go over fifty thousand dollars. Period. It like then the agency's bid might come back in at for you know forty nine But then when they have a uh, an overcharge, you say, look, dude, I told you you had to bring it in at $49,990, So make it work, and then they they know that they can own that. So I think is the maximum transparency, the maximum information, the better. I think the other thing is if you're not happy with how things are going, say it right away. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing that can happen is that a project can kind of go down a path the agency thinks they're doing fine, you're griping about them you know, behind the scenes and then they don't have the opportunity to recalibrate or fix it. So I think to say it early and then to hold them accountable for when you're not happy with how things are going is a much better way to create effective results.
0: And they can't read your mind. That's yes, it. right. right, on. right.
2: Uh, the only things I would add are um, I agree completely with all that. If you're going to be doing a big collaboration building, focus groups, presenting to leadership. You, you want to make sure that your agency is a true partner, that they're not just going to come in and take it from you, that you're going to be engaged and involved. And remember, they are representing you while they're doing their work on campus. So you really have to think through that as well. Are these the people who are going to best represent our organization? Uh, even to the point, I think of a couple times we've used different agencies for the brand strategy Presenting to the cabinet, presenting to the board. You know, it wasn't an environment where we wanted, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but 20 somethings in jeans and big beards and spiky hair coming in and presented. It just wouldn't have been the right fit. Yeah. So, which, you know, who are you working with at the agency? And we had another one that was much more creative, and that was the right fit for those same groups. They could get away with that. So, really thinking through are they going to be a great partner and how are they going to represent you on campus? Because you're going to own that as soon as they leave campus.
0: Yeah. I think you're definitely right. Well, I would like to thank both of you, Christy and Brad, for your help and your information. This is incredibly valuable and uh, it was great to get to learn from you today. Thanks. Our pleasure. Thank you. Great. And thank you again to everyone who watched and to our program sponsor M Stoner and to everyone watching. Have a great day.